All right, and welcome back to Marky Mark and the Fitness Bunch. I'm here today with Brittany Woodard, and we are going to be talking today about fitness and diet culture and how, believe it or not, they do not have your best interests, and we're going to kind of talk about why that's the case. Um, Brittany, as I understand it, you sell courses and books, and like, can you tell us a little bit like kind of like what you're doing and like what you do to fight against that diet culture? Yeah, I would love to. Also, thank you so much for having me. You are such a wonderful personality, and I love your posts, and you are my favorite fitness instructor, like I've said so many times. Let me flatter you here, (laughs) and then I'll talk about myself. (laughs) You do really good work, I think. Um, Yeah, so yeah. So are you. I'm excited to have you on here. I've been a big fan for a while. I know. I really like your message, even though like you're your stuff is very specific towards mom yeah. even i'm like yeah yeah like, this is like, <laughs> i know you have been um, a really good fan of mine <laughs> so i know i have been very vocal for anybody who follows me on instagram as well I i've not been shy to tell people how much i like your page oh all right well now that we flattered each other <laughs> right yeah let's get to the actual podcast um, yeah so i'm a dietitian and i work exclusively with moms um i think this mostly came up uh especially after i became a mom so i was a dietitian for about five years before i became a mom myself and um i work with moms just on like you know, all those changes that happen to your body after you have kids and it can be really hard to get used to that. And then you feel like you need to go on a diet. And then really that just gets you into the endless uh, cycle of dieting and feeling bad about yourself and not being able to stop, uh, you know, dieting because none of them work. So uh, that's pretty much what I do now. And yes, you're totally correct. I do have an online course that's going to be launching August 1st, which is so exciting because right now I have um, a journal that I sell and then I have, you know, just some um, body positive posters and cards and kind of like artsy type things to keep around your house as well to remind you. But yeah, that that's what I have going on right now. And it's, it's all very exciting. And, and I can see those things, like the things like the cards and the posters actually being really useful because when we're going to kind of get into it. Yeah where the diet culture is so spread out that you almost want some you want to change your environment for more body positive right and like that's actually where like yeah like the posters and cards like yes they're cute and they look great Mm -hmm. but i think it it is also part of you know going against the you know becoming more body positive and kind of going against diet culture so yeah i think that's great yeah i mean i i uh i think diet culture can be so sneaky uh and then having something like that to remind you like oh okay that was diet culture like that that got into my head there um that's kind of really like my my idea behind like having things around you to like remind you that you know you're you're fine just the way you are and i would love to talk more about like how diet culture is sneaky because i think that it comes in many shapes and even if you're like well you know this is diet culture you might not be aware of other things Mm -hmm. i would first love to kind of talk about how you got to this point you know you mentioned Mm -hmm. um kind of your past how you had kids and like where did you first of all were you ever part of diet culture oh yeah what was the transition to you oh my gosh. leaving? Yes, I was 100% diet culture. It actually is like so embarrassing to even look back on those days and be like, oh, I, I used to do that. Um, but you live and you learn. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I mean, to go way back, 
honestly, I say this all the time. The reason that I became a dietitian was because I was so entrenched in diet culture. So I think I was at that age where I, you know, you got to pick something, you got to pick a major. And because I was just so obsessed with food and my body, it just felt like natural to be like, I'm going to become a dietitian and like figure out what diets really work, you know? And then later you learn that not at home do, but, <laughs> uh, I, I started there and then, um, after that, I, I got a job like out of right out of college and I was working at like a WIC clinic and uh, WIC clinics are either for moms um, with children or who are pregnant. And you kind of just like give them diet advice and like nutrition advice and help with breastfeeding. And there's lots of great, great things that a WIC clinic has to offer. But I find myself I found myself giving lots of diet culture type messages like well, your BMI is this and you've gained this and maybe you shouldn't eat this and you should eat that. And it all just felt not helping. Um, so then I did something crazy and I was, I joined the Peace Corps. I didn't have kids yet. I was young and I joined the Peace Corps um, as a, as a health volunteer and I was stationed in Nepal, which if anybody doesn't know, that is the small country right in between China and India, and is where Mount Everest is. It is incredibly beautiful, um, but the poverty there, it, it was hard to be around. Um, it's, I want to say, last I checked, it was like the 11th poorest country in the world. So the, the poverty, it, it, it like affects you mentally uh, to, to see people in such desperate situations. Um, and I think what I took from that the most was just like, the women and what women had to sacrifice there in order to like feed their families in order to, to keep their, even just like keeping their houses up. So there's really no work in Nepal for, for anybody. And so what would happen is that uh, the husband or the man would go and work in like a different country, usually like the middle East. And then the mom would stay back with the kids in Nepal and the dad would send money over to them. And so to watch like these women care for kids, get food on the table, wash clothes, uh, you know, be able to like budget for everything that they need to be able, I mean, just everything, honestly, just everything. And it's, it's not like when you're washing clothes and you put them in the washing machine, <laughs> you push start. Right. I mean, this washing clothes is a full day event um, and it, it's super labor intensive. And so I think that's when I got even more into like just wanting to help women, wanting to empower women, wanting women to feel strong and feel, you know, like just good about themselves, I guess. And so I got pregnant with my first baby when I was over in the Peace Corps. And I came back to the States because you're not allowed to be pregnant and be in the Peace Corps. And I uh, was a single mom for like the first year of my first daughter's life. And I think that that really kind of solidified it for me too, of just wanting to work with moms, wanting to work with women. And also it made me look back at my WIC career and be like, why did anybody let this young person without any kids give advice to moms about breastfeeding? Like, I had no idea what I was even talking about. Uh, so it's like funny to kind of look back on that um, and think, that I probably shouldn't have been giving that kind of advice because momming is so much harder than anybody or any book can ever prepare you for. Well, there's the theoretical momming, right? Like right. there's the, there's the, you know, textbook, what the textbook will tell you that you probably gave 
and then like you know the reality hits yeah and and i think like you know that you know the the textbook assumes that your kid perfectly sleeps through the night or Uh, like they give you like tips on like if your baby's not sleeping through the night this is what you do but like every baby is so different that it's like okay but that didn't work for my baby it's so individual (laughs) that it almost becomes like useless yeah 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 totally so yeah then from there it just kind of snowballed into really what i'm doing now and i i absolutely love what i'm doing now i i'm married i have another daughter um so i've got two girls who are five and three and um yeah. I mean, what I'm doing as a dietitian now just feels much more authentic and real than, than what I had started off doing. But I guess that that's how journeys go, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And like, what was your, cause your, your page is very about fighting diet culture. I mm-hmm. think there's a clear, you're, you're clearly on the opposition of that. So what was it about diet culture specifically that you were like, I want to tackle this. Yeah. Like, this is my fight. Yeah. So one of my first jobs when I got back from the Peace Corps, because I didn't just jump into working for myself right away, because like I said, I was a single mom and like totally overwhelmed. Uh, One of my first jobs was uh, working um, with eating disorders. And so again, I kind of got thrown into this, this job where I really didn't have the experience to, to be doing it. So when I, when I find myself in that situation, I like research like crazy and I want to know everything. Um, And I started to learn about what diet culture even was because before that I didn't even, I didn't even know that this existed. I just thought like eating healthy meant like you eat fruits and vegetables and you should be like always trying to be skinny and like skinny people are healthy people. And then it's like, I saw how harmful those messages could be because I was working with people who had heard those messages and like their whole lives were just at a standstill uh, because of how harmful it was to hear that fruits and vegetables are good for you and carbs are bad for you, which is like, the mess. right. Yeah. You know? Well, actually now it's like fruits are even bad for you, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People, people getting obese over watermelons. That's a conversation. Oh, God. I mean, it's just, like, it's, it's endless. It is truly carbs endless. Took a real hit in the 2010. You know, they really did. They really did. I was like, I feel kind of bad for them. I know. I mean, but I, I think so. for a lot of people, those messages, it, it can be like, it can like hurt your self-esteem or it can like cause some confusion, but for other people and more and more it's becoming it, it, deadly, honestly. Um, and that might seem like a, a harsh word to use, but it really is like, it is very difficult for somebody to recover from an eating disorder when you live in a culture that constantly is telling you somehow your life would be better if you were thinner. You're a better person if you're thinner. You're a good person if you eat a salad and you're a bad person if you eat chocolate. Like these messages are just ridiculous, but and a lot of times I think people can't see the harm. And so it was that job that really opened my eyes to, oh, this is bad. Like, this is not accurate. Um, so I think it just as I became just more and more experienced and learned more about nutrition science, too, just to find that so many of these messages that we hear, like the big one being carbs are bad. They're not true. (laughs) And there is a lot of money to be made off of saying carbs are bad. So much money. Yeah. And so I think that's what I do now is I I work with people over with moms on like kind of almost like unbrainwashing from diet culture. And, you know, diet culture is one of those terms that like maybe everybody doesn't know exactly what it means. Um, Christy Harrison is a dietitian who has an absolutely wonderful definition of diet culture. So anybody who's wondering, you can Google it and it will, it's, it's just, 
she just says it perfectly. But <laughs> in the short, really what it is, is just this, this idea that again, you, you are, we are better if we're thinner and somehow you're more successful if you're fit and thin and you're like a better person. And if you're, if you're obese, then that means that you are a lazy person, or that means that you are an unhealthy person and you should feel really bad about yourself all the time. Um, it's just like totally just nonsense. Well, this is why I'm against transformation photos. Yeah. That, that, that is the visual message of what it is. And I know people use them and they're not using them I think a lot of people are using them, you know, just because they're happy about their weight loss, right? They're not being like, I'm here to shame, you know, fat people. That's not their, right. that's not their idea. But, you know, the, in, the indirect symbolism that is the left photo is like, look how large and how much of a horrible. Yeah. And then I have the second photo where I'm thin and better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course you're going to get the wrong message. As, you know, and I think what that- people have to like, remember, like when they see those, cause I'm totally with you. I think that those, those images are very harmful is that that is a snapshot in time. Now let's follow up with that person. However many months from now, and see what is really happening um, because it's so easy to look at those and be like, why can't I be like that? Like, why can't I do that? I, I mean, and so the person who's posting the picture probably has a filter, probably has a good angle, probably is wearing the right clothes, like all of these things um, to make it well, look I, a certain I, way. I made this joke in a previous podcast mm-hmm. with, uh, with Carrie, when she had, I had her on for health at every size. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we made the joke that like no one shows the third photo where right. they gain weight, right? Like exactly. That that photo doesn't make it to the to the page, unfortunately. No, no. I, I um, yeah. So I'm, oh. I'm right there with you. The yeah. Little... And what was I going to say as well? So let's talk about like, I think when people have diet culture, mm-hmm. that there's, there's examples they can come up with, but I want to talk more about the, the sneakier ones, mm-hmm. the ones that like, maybe you hear get said a lot, even by people who point out diet culture. Yeah. I think that this is such a good topic because People who sell and companies who sell and make money off of diet culture, they have to change their language every now and again. So right now we're seeing that shift in language where it was lose weight and count points and count calories. And this is a diet. This is a weight loss diet. And now that the, the, you know, the message is starting to come off, like come out that, you know, diets don't work. They don't work long term and stuff like that. It's the wording has started to change to wellness or, um, yeah, like wellness diet or uh, changing, and I use this word like changing your mindset, but mostly I'm thinking of Noom, which is 100% a diet because anything that's telling you to eat differently in order to lose weight is a diet. <laughs> right. You know, and I think like, I think like that is such a important message as well is that like any alter, like, can you, are you restricting something? Then right. it's a diet. Like you can you can praise it all you want. Maybe it works for you, mm-hmm. but you know, like, is it not a, like, it's not, it's not a lifestyle for starters. I've heard that many. Oh times. gosh. Yeah. That's, that's a big one too. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's a state, state of mind. Right. You got to keep it calm down. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a common one as well where, you know, you, and what do you think it is though? Like why don't the diet and fitness culture have, you know, there's clearly a need. Mm-hmm. Why have they not filled that need properly? Because, you know, you hear stories all the time on like, our health problems keep getting worse as a population. And it almost like their budget increases mm-hmm. with how much they failed in the past. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, like they didn't, they, they, they failed this before. 
but now they're like we're giving them more money to really crush it this time like that's I, like yeah anybody on an individual level would be fired right but like as a collective we're well yeah one of the best quotes about diet culture and i don't know who said it but it's like diet diet culture is like the only or the industry they sell you something and then blame you when that something they sell you fails. Like it's your fault when it fails, right? you know, and, and like any other product, if it didn't work for the way they say it was going to work, it wouldn't be your fault. It'd be the product's fault. Um, but honestly, I think what it is, is like, they push that narrative. They push this narrative of obesity and morbid obesity, because gosh, who wants to be called morbidly obese? Like, <laughs> How is that possibly ever a flattering term to be called that? And so I think that they push this narrative. They use this wording uh, because they already know that our brains have been set up that way for a really long time to hear these messages and know these things. So I, I think that a lot of what they say and a lot of what they talk about just simply isn't true. Is, is this idea that if you are classified as obese, you are automatically an unhealthy person is wrong. Just wrong. Not true. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that, actually. <laughs> I was going to talk to you about uh, BMI, actually, which mm-hmm. is normally when people say they're obese. That's normally the, yeah. the common marker. So what do you know about BMI that you can tell us? Yeah. Like, what's the, because it's so common, even at like the clinical level, um, mm-hmm. it's so commonly used. Yeah, I mean, so being a dietitian who's worked in hospitals, that's the number that insurance companies are looking for. That's the number that the doctors are looking for. That's the number we talk about all the time is BMI. And when you think, when you really look at the math and you really look at the history of BMI, BMI was never meant to be used in the way that it's used. Uh, but we still do it. And there doesn't seem to be an end in sight, unless I'm missing something. Uh that people are going to keep using that number. So the number, it almost like assigns a value at this point of like, are you a good person or are you not a good person? Are you, and it goes as far as obviously saying, are you a healthy person or are you not a healthy person? And it's just, it's, again, it's just totally not true. Um, I, one of the more obvious things that people who talk about BMI and, and, and know about BMI is that somebody like LeBron James is going to be in an obese BMI. Now, would you say that that guy is unfit or unhealthy in any kind of way? I mean, like, heck no. <laughs> He's obviously right. very fit and like very athletic, right? Um, but he's going to fall into obese because of the size of his body compared to his height. I guess another thing I want to say about BMI is that for people who are very tall and for people who are very short, BMI is ridiculous. <laughs> like it just for sure, yeah. It, it's it's almost to the point where there's so many. In theory, this could relate to a you know perfectly average sedentary human being with no outlying sources that um, is white. That's kind of the right. you know, it's built on the people who are like other cultures who are built differently and unfortunately also has no value. Yeah. So you get to the point mm-hmm. where it has so many exceptions that like, who are we even talking about at this point? Well, and see, that's why I think that in the diet industry continues to use words like morbidly obese and, and, and talk about BMI because it very much helps them sell. It very much helps them kind of, I don't want to say prove a point, but like make a point, I guess that like, yeah, this is unhealthy or like this is, you know, what the American Heart Association or whoever wants to say, um, you know, make rules based on 
numbers. Um, but yeah, uh, BMI is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's cost friendly, which I think is one of the advantages that it's used a lot because you don't need fancy machines or any kind of blood work or anything. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, just, it's just, you know, the equation weight over height squared, I believe. I think that's the official equation. Yeah. But yeah, there's so many outlying factors to the point where it's like, it just becomes useless where it's just like, um, if you're athletic, if you work out and have muscle mass, if you're like you said, very short, very tall. Like it's just it doesn't account for builds. Like if you're a like if you're a person who has like naturally wider hips, right? Um, by definition, you will probably hold more weight, well, and not because yeah. not because wider hips are unhealthy, but just your body is designed to hold more weight than someone with narrower hips. Like it's it's not a it's not a fault. It's just a different build. Yeah, exactly. And I think you you kind of said it earlier too. It's like this was made for like white people. This was made for white European people. A very specific <laughs> white even at that. Yes. Yes. And so that's even... also the problem. It's like it's not mm-hmm. even good for it's not even good for that. It's you know, it's good for like a five ten male who doesn't work out. Yeah. And I think yeah. I, I, even when I was in Nepal, uh, they were trying they they wanted to use BMI to to classify the kids there, like in this project I was working on, and I was thinking this BMI that we use in the States and and then printing it here is just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, but I think again, it's so ingrained and it's so overly used that to try to come up with something else for some people is hard. (laughs) Now here's a question I have for you, because this is a question that I get a lot and I would kind of love to hear your response. Yeah. Is that, so I'm very open about the fact that I'm not a weight loss coach. That's Mm -hmm. definitely one of the things that's that like, I don't, work with people. I don't do weigh-ins. I don't do body transformations. That's just, it's not the niche that I've chosen to work with. And it's, it's truthfully not something that I believe is sustainable long-term. Right. The question that I get, and most of the time people res- respect that choice. I actually don't get a lot of haters, but That's good. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe I'll do after this. Sure. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I'll, they'll say a lot is like, but Mark isn't holding a lot of fat still unhealthy. Isn't that, you know, they, they move it away from the vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. And they talk about like, well, isn't a person who's, you know, all heavier than the normal person, isn't that person unhealthy? Yeah. I mean, and I have to imagine as a person like yourself who mm-hmm. fights diet culture must get that question um, a lot. Yep. Yep. That is a big and, question for me as well that I got. And what, what's your response? Because I'm curious. I'd love to, I'd love to trade ideas on this somehow because this is probably like the number one, like of people who don't like my page. Yeah. That's probably the number one they don't say it as gently as i currently did yes but, um, <laughs> same. same but um, that's usually the typical question that i get yes same um also not as polite on my page <laughs> but i mean this is where i start with that because i i first calm myself down if i'm in a mood and i can't read it yeah yeah first you calm down and then you <laughs> and then i with tea. with love i reply how do you know this? Because I think it goes back to that we are very conditioned to, again, use words like obesity and and correlate bigger body sizes with unhealthiness. But where did you hear that? How do you know that? Is it possible that somebody can be living in a bigger body and be able to run a marathon? Yes, obviously. <laughs> like, and so I think that's where I, I start. 
well, how do you know this? Who did you hear this from? And then usually it will come back to, well, everybody knows this. Or I think my, my most favorite response ever has been, we'll Google it. Uh, I think I saw that. that yes. Was great. That was, that was wonderful. Uh, because that's what you'll read when you, when you Google it, you'll read lots of different things. And again, diet culture is everywhere. And this is what everybody talks about, but how do you know this is true? And that's kind of where the conversation ends. If somebody's ready to hear more about the message, uh, I think that they're more willing to accept that they've been lied to or like been manipulated by diet culture messaging. Or 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 the 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 data doesn't go as far as they thought it did. Right. I and I think this is where I hit hard on like nutrition science is is too complicated to to make these claims. I think nutrition science is, is so complicated to make a concrete claim about anything is almost impossible because there's just too many other factors. Like when you, when you think about, I think the biggest fear that hap- that people talk about when they're thinking about like obesity or, or being in a bigger body is that chronic diseases are more likely to happen, but are they though? And that like, why is it that skinny people can also get hypertension, heart disease, cancer, uh, you know, all these other chronic diseases that we, you know, really kind of fear mongerly <laughs> talk about with, uh, you know, bigger bodies. Why is it that, that skinny people get them too? And it just because there is an association, why? Because we know that association doesn't equal causation. So what is the association between chronic diseases and bigger body sizes? And I think, again, to, to talk about my, my latest, greatest and favorite dietitian author is Christy Harrison says it so well in her book, Anti-Diet. You know, she talks a lot about, could it be the day-to-day stress that people living in bigger bodies, the, the, the false stereotypes, the, the negative judgment of living in a bigger body, could that stress be what is actually causing chronic diseases in people with bigger bodies because we don't know for sure we don't have that answer yet that's the road i like to take people down if they'll let me <laughs> yeah yeah if you get like obviously if it's like a someone tweeting at you or whatever obviously it's you know you can only get so deep in the conversation exactly um yeah that's kind of the way that i've been looking at it as well i think that's really important i think it's also like kind of the way that i tell people is that like most of the time you're looking for the same things, even if you're not like, this is a really good example is I'm going to refer back to a podcast that I had where I actually brought on a person who does do weight loss interventions. And Mm -hmm. I was like, let's talk it out. Yeah. And what I found was very interesting is that really like, you know, when we talked about clients and working with people, we didn't have vastly different interventions. The only difference was that she would keep track of the weight and I wouldn't. That's Mm -hmm. the only difference, but we were still pro healthy behavior. We were still looking at health factors like hypertension um, you know, um, family history, all that kind of jazz, like their mm-hmm. physical activity levels, do they smoke, do they drink? And it kind of gets to the point for me anyways, that if someone's in a bigger or smaller body, you're still kind of looking for the same markers. Like it's, it, you know, this is kind of the thought experiment that I give people who are unsure is like, if there's someone in a bigger body, and they meet all the biomarkers and their mobility is great and their mental health is great. And they have like, there's no other measurements of being unhealthy. 
Mm -hmm. should that person still lose weight in your eyes and because you know kind of at best is that like the obesity or like being in a bigger body is not usually that's not the direct thing that kills them right usually it's the correlation with heart disease or stroke or things like that Mm -hmm. that's the that's kind of the you know the the problem that i think people people associate it with assuming that you're not talking about vanity metrics which is kind of its own conversation right um right but for me, it's like, I would much rather focus on just healthy behaviors mm-hmm. and just not talk about the weight at all. And then, you know, whether they lose weight or not is almost just kind of irrelevant. Like, I just kind of want to make sure that they're healthy. Yeah, I, 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 I think that even though I don't agree with dietitians or whoever is pushing weight loss, I think... I think they have something to say. <laughs> I don't think that they are like evil people or anything no, no, like no. that. I think they come you with know, the best of intentions. Yes, I think they think want to the help. Right I yeah. think that they want to help, and I think that they're very likely very good people. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes people get. Sometimes people say things like that to me. So, but I I also think that what's hard about doing that is like you then as the coach or as the dietitian, you, you kind of become judged as how good are you based on a number, ba- you know, a number that let's be honest, like it, it could change again after they get done working with you. Or, I mean, what I really saw a lot, especially when I was working with eating disorders is like some people's bodies, just, they, they just don't, they just don't change. They, 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 want to be at a certain weight and you can stop eating and you can restrict like crazy and you can exercise like crazy. But for some people, they are just not going to be 120 pounds. <laughs> it's just and I think, and not. I, and I think Melissa Mitri, who was also on my podcast, like really said it best. Like I haven't heard of a better example. So mm-hmm. you, you have to answer two questions. <laughs> One is weight loss the best intervention for this person? Mm-hmm. And you can we can kind of talk about the pros and cons of that. The second is how do we do it? Because the truth is, is that we're wildly bad at it. Yeah. Like when you look at like weight loss interventions over long periods of time, the regain weight is like astounding. Yeah. Think- like you can like I've seen, you know, best case scenario, 40%, worst case scenario, 95. Like we're looking at you know, really just unsuccessful interventions. So if this is the epitome of health and what we're trying to do here, well, we don't really have the answer to do that successfully. Maybe, exactly. in, the short, maybe in the short term, mm-hmm. um, you can definitely do that. And, you know, you hear a lot of the times where like, oh, I was on Weight Watchers and I lost weight. And then when I went off it, I regained the weight. And I'm like, well, that should not count as a successful intervention then. Because well, you, yeah. you didn't go to Weight Watchers to lose it for four months, right? Like and you how- went to lose forever. And how horrible do you feel about yourself after you regain it? Gosh, I mean, you're just back down in the dumps again. Right. That's always kind of my concern as well is that like – Mental health. If, well, mental health and also like, you know, you're going to celebrate their thinner body now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they're almost more likely to gain it back than not. And just, I mean, the toll that that takes on your mental health too when everybody's like, oh my gosh, you lost weight. You look great. And then when you gain it back, not only are you like beating yourself up, it's like you're you're feeling that judgment from other people too. Like, oh man, I, you know, she put it back on again. Like what must be going on with her? Yeah. Yeah. It's really. She stopped caring about herself. It's like, just what was the... horrible. And like, you know, this is why I've always switched towards, you know, the strength focus because for mm-hmm. me, when you know when you look at the strength journey 
you know, maybe there's a plateau in the long run, but like, it's much more, it's much easier to hold. Like if you get to a 200 pound deadlift, which by the way, I know some people listening sounds like a large number. I promise you could do it if you wanted to, Hmm. Um, (laughs) you could do is, you know, it's easier to keep that strength level. Like you won't lose that strength level over time as long as you're like keeping active as opposed to weight loss where even if you're like still going at it strong, you could still regain it back easily. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see. And so for me, it's like, well, I just don't want to set up my clients for, you know, hating themselves in the future. Well, exactly. And I think you're why I like you so much is that I I get that. I I hear from moms a lot, like, well, you know, my body's changed so much. I can't even get on the floor, floor and play with my kids, or I can't go, you know, on a bike ride with my kids anymore because my body is so big. But I want to be like, is it because you're, you know, is it because your bigger body or does it have to do with like a fitness level? Not to shame or guilt or anything like that, but it's just like, I almost just want to take the focus off of body size and just put it onto kind of like what you're doing, what, you know, just moving your body and like, and being stronger. And that's, what's going to help you be able to. Yeah. Or yeah. Do you need to be stronger? Do you need just, you know, to work on your stamina? Like, mm-hmm. and, this, and, the, and again, this would come back to healthy behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the message that I think I'm trying to bring as well is that for the people who do weight loss and don't do weight, loss we would probably deal with that person very similarly like Mm -hmm. like okay so you want to help them with weight loss like what's the plan the help the plan is eat well exercise sleep well you know stress management okay i'm trying to make someone stronger and not care about weight so what am i going to do eat whole foods exercise you know stress management like like it's not a drastically different game plan the only we're just changing we're just we're just using different markers. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what you're, a lot of what you're saying is totally true. I think that there, there does seem to be like a, a sort of similar obviously, plan. There's some people who sell detox yeah. and stuff like that. Like there <laughs> yeah. is that, that. There's extremes, obviously there's extremes on both sides. Um, but I, sell I, their soul. yes, they definitely sell our soul. <laughs> but I, I think what I do, tried to do so differently is like change the terms that I used to use and like the vocabulary I used to use. Like I, I never, I shouldn't say never, but I, I don't use that phrase healthy eating because I just like, don't even know what that means anymore. Because for everybody, if you say healthy eating to somebody that means a certain thing and to somebody else, that means something totally different. So that when we're talking in like all these vague terms that like diet culture has sort of taught us to use, I think that that's where so much of the confusion comes in. Um, and so I think uh, that's what I really try to do differently is just change the vocabulary a bit. <laughs> Let's talk about more uh, diet culture ideas actually. So we did BMI. Mm-hmm. transformation photos um the word healthy eating or like other buzzwords that in, elicit an emotional response but don't necessarily have a um actual meaning mm-hmm. like what's the so give me some other ones that you think like you hear all the time like they say they're not doing diet culture then you hear this and you're like oh you actually are yeah i mean i think that that gosh it's it's so much i i think um I'm not I'm I'm not on a diet for weight loss but I'm tracking grams of carbs but I'm trying to eat less carbs but I'm tracking my calories but I'm doing macros and I can eat whatever I want as long as it's, as long as it's within my macros and then it just those are the things that create like the perfect storm of I can't follow this forever this isn't sustainable that lead back into you know I'm a failure I couldn't do this for forever but I think anytime that somebody 
is eating or track tracking anything <laughs> unless like obviously like you're you know you're you're somebody who is struggling with like diabetes or somebody who has diabetes you know like that would be an obvious reason to to look at your carbs right or is somebody who has an allergy that would be a very obvious reason to turn and look at the back of the packaging right but in most cases i just think any time you're doing something like that that's diet culture um a lot of people might disagree with me but i'm trying to think of like other sort of terms like that though too because again i i i really do not like healthy i don't like the word healthy for i think most. the word holistic yes. officially has no meaning i think that's a big one well, that cl- I've seen. i don't like clean eating too natural I mean, natural uh, organic yeah. yeah um all mean nothing yeah or- at least if they mean something, they don't mean healthier. Well, and I think, again, I, I think it means something to somebody and then they mean something else to somebody else and then they mean something else to me. And they, and then that's where, again, it gets confusing and vague and complicated and, you know, arguments, <laughs> all that stuff. Right. I, well, yeah, especially like I always, you know, I, I'm just so happy that I live in the fitness world, to be honest, because it's just like the fitness world is, you know, we can have different plans for different people. But mm-hmm. For the most part, like none of us are like at each other's throats. Um, it still exists, but like nutrition, right. like oh my, like the battle. Is I know. Just, God forbid you put an egg on your page, like. Oh gosh, I know. I mean, I think I, I, it, it's the diet culture narrative that's that's created this. I mean, I went through, I went all the way through dietetic school. I went all the way through everything, and I still came out very much entrenched in diet culture. So it's almost like as a dietitian, you have to like, you have to almost like look again and like and and as you gain more experience and you kind of see that these things that were taught aren't working it it kind of gives you it opens the door to like what else and maybe you know I graduated like eight years ago now and so I'm I'm hoping that things have sort of changed there but I think that that's where dietitians get really you know at each other's throats a little bit about different philosophies on diet on dietetics well, especially because, you know, when you're looking in the nutrition world, there definitely is a, a pro-diet, anti-diet divide. I'm not even saying with dietitians alone, mm-hmm. just like anybody who works in the nutrition field. Um, yes. Even people who I've had on this podcast, like, you know, I, I've only done one-on-one guests, but I'm sure there are, you know, people in mind that if I brought them on the same podcast, like, it would be a rough time. Yeah. Like, that's the, and not, not putting names there, that's not what this is about, but there is definitely a divide on like our diet's good for you our diet's not good for you like is macro counting valuable if so when uh, i think and i think what's hard about that is that i just uh i don't want to sound harsh again but like i just wish that the people who were really pushing that message would work with eating disorders or would see you know the three the the third picture like we talked about earlier and see what that person is going through and then decide if that message that you're that you're selling is still helping people is it still something that's true to your values because i just think it would overwhelmingly be no that it's not helping people and Sometimes I think we surround ourselves with people who are so much like ourselves that when you're like very into to fitness or into counting macros or whatever, it seems that like kind of everybody around you is like that. So it's really hard to see outside of that and like the harm that it's actually causing. So a lot of times like on social media, if I'm if I'm feeling it, 
I, and I see something like that, I'll kind of challenge somebody a little bit on that. And it's not like I think my comment is going to make somebody go, oh my gosh, you're right. Everything I've been doing is wrong. Now <laughs> right? I think like, what you think. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody does that. But I, I think it at least like kind of plants a seed of like, well, maybe, I don't know. But <laughs> I just, I wish people would just try to consider other perspectives before really making that the, their truth in other people's truth, you know? For, for sure. I think that's amazing as well. What do you like to do with, you know, because you have people who buy your courses and books. Mm -hmm. What is kind of the advice? You're trying to get away from diet culture. You're trying to move away from the weight on the scale or judging yourself based on, you know, your BMI or body fat percentage. Mm -hmm. What would you say is a good first step for someone who's trying to out? Yeah. I mean, what I do is I use cognitive behavioral therapy and all all the skills that I teach moms is, is based on cognitive behavioral therapy. So really the idea that, you know, the thoughts and beliefs that we have create our emotions, create our actions and behaviors, right? So like if you uh, feel and you think my body is too big, then that feeling, that belief is going to lead you to I feel really bad about myself and I'm not going to take my kids to the beach because my body's too big and I feel bad about my body and I'm not showing it to other people or I don't want anybody else to see it. I should, you know, think all of these bad things about myself. But if you can start changing that narrative into my body is bigger and I'm still worthy no matter what it looks like. I am empowered. I am a great mom. I'm a great person. I'm amazing at all these things I do and I'm in a bigger body that's fine. I'm going to take my kids to the beach in this bigger body and we're going to have fun. And I don't care what other people think. Like that's like the moment of just like true freedom, you know, to, to, to get away from all these other things. And I, and I think that is what I just wish everybody could, could get to that point because the people who really are like wanting to push diets and wanting to push weight loss, I think that it takes such a toll on your life. It takes so much sacrifice to something that is not going to even last forever. And, and you miss out on, gosh, so much of your kid's lives when you're in the gym and you're, you're dieting all the time and you're not eating the same foods as them. And also, gosh, your kids are watching. They're watching. They know when you're eating the salad and they're eating the pizza, they're starting to make those connections early on um, that mom doesn't like her body. Mom doesn't want to take us to the beach because she doesn't want people to see her body because her body is big, which who knows if it is or not. And, and bigger bodies are bad. And so like kids will start to make those connections too. And so I just think when you can just change that narrative into my body is bigger or my body isn't this ideal image that they tell us it should be so yeah, i think building your confidence away from your your size is so huge and that's like really what i try and do on my page it's actually one of the reasons that i used cartoons originally mm, yeah it's because i didn't want to like you know use a female figure who was big or small like that's not what it was about like i'm just like let's just remove that from the equation entirely yeah cartoon and i think that's really important as well and i think what's also important for people to get is there is no weight on the scale that forever you're going to be like, oh, now I feel good about myself. You know what I mean? No, it's never like, enough. It's not, mm -hmm. Like it's always, yeah, it's always five pounds less. Yep. It's always. And this is what I've noticed as well, is that there's almost just like whatever you have 
it's the thing you don't have that is like the problem it's always like Mm -hmm. build aside Mm -hmm. Uh, you know I've trained women who are you know I don't ask their weight because it's not my thing but if I had to guess I would say between like 90 and 300 pounds right and all of them were not or not like a lot of different weights were they were not fans for different reasons right Right. And I think, like, mm-hmm. so a lot of times we just worked on like, well, let's work on building your confidence from, mm-hmm. you know, what you're capable of doing. Like, can you be a woman who does pull-ups? Can you be a woman who can do push-ups or things that are, you know, more quantitative and more accomplished and not based on, do you look like the girl in the magazine or the Instagram post? I mean, cause like, to be honest, nobody looks like the girl in the magazine and nobody looks like the girl in the Instagram post because that magazine and the Instagram posts are heavily filtered and heavily, you know, angles. Right, like and... what are you comparing yourself to at this point? Yeah. You start to compare yourself to things that aren't even real and gosh, talk about damaging, like comparing. And, like, <sighs> and you know, you feel, you feel the need to Photoshop mm-hmm. your photos mm-hmm. because they're Photoshopping theirs. Yeah, I mean, it's endless. The apps are endless at this point. It's like, it's really getting to a place. It's so easy, too. Yes, it's too easy. Like, before it was hard to Photoshop, and now you just, like, $5 apps, if that. Yeah, I mean, and Facetune, I think that's a free one. And you can just brush that all right out, you know? And it's so so dangerous. Like, where it's all going to me just seems so dangerous. So I feel like the more that I can talk about this message and how – what we have heard and what we grow up hearing and what's around us saying that these bigger body sizes are somehow making us less worthy is false. You are already worthy. You are already wonderful the way you are. You don't need to have a smaller body to be happier. The same way that like money doesn't make people happier. Like a smaller body isn't what creates somebody's happiness, you know? I think for me, like the long-term happiness comes from like who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's the you know, maybe you'll feel good for a bit, or maybe you, you know, get fat stacks of money and go buy a car. Or like sure. Thing. Like a sh- temporarily, for sure. Temporarily. <laughs> but like, if we're talking about like long-term <laughs> happiness and like feeling good about yourself, um, it's about what you think of yourself as a person as a whole. Mm-hmm. And this is what I think is also important is that no one will, and this is a little controversial, but no one will, you need to treat yourself with respect as a whole mm-hmm. before other people do i think that's the like like if you put a lot of value in your appearance and being overweight and that being a bad thing and all that jazz mm-hmm. um you know other people will focus on that too but if you focus on the positive aspects of your life if you focus on who you are as an individual you're a mother you you know right you have a job like oh, like other things that have nothing to do with your weight if that if you make that your focus well then you know other good people in your life could also start doing that I think it's identifying yourself with things that are outside of your body that are Mm -hmm. so important, you know? You are more than a weight. You're more than a weight. You're more than this body that you live in. You're more than your eye color, skin color, hair color, height. You know, you're more than all of these things. And, like, once you can start to make that mindset change, that's when all the good stuff happens. (laughs) Well, that's when you can get away because, you know, you and I both know people who – are stuck in this problem for decades. I mean, like even think about yourself at, let's say, if this has ever happened for you, I don't know, like ideal weight or ideal physical appearance Mm -hmm. where you just infinitely happier. (laughs) 
<laughs> like right. I think like yeah, nobody would number. say yes to that. That I'm exactly 181 pounds and my life is beautiful. And I, I can that. wear a crop top. Like, is that like make is that, like no? There's just no way that that is what creates somebody's happiness. You know? Yeah, definitely not in the long term for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else do you like to do to kind of like fight diet culture? So you mentioned uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which I've done not for diet culture, but for like my own mental health reasons. And they're great. It's yeah. Yep. Um, it's, it's such a good process. And especially like, I really liked it if you wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, you know, another big tool people could use um, or where, or better yet, like what of your courses would you recommend for people or like your books to get started? Cause I think there's a lot of people who are like, there's so much messaging out there, mm-hmm. you know, what do you provide that helps out with that process? Yeah. So my course and my book go through the same, like sort of three steps. And like the first one, again, being awareness that this is there's a thing called diet culture it's been lying to us our whole lives and i think that that's like the first light bulb moment of am i ready to accept this message or do i think this is all bs you know so you gotta have that awareness there once you can start having that awareness you like i said you you have to like kind of unbrainwash yourself and so the way you do that is you start to challenge those ideas those ingrained ideas carbs are bad i'm a bad person if i'm bigger uh Start to challenge those and and see how you feel. It's gonna be it's gonna feel weird. Um, so I think that that's kind of like the food messaging stuff. So uh, there's a lot of activities that I do with people. Another one being like, let's say that you're not you don't want to wear a bikini to the beach because you and this is the example I use all the time. I guess start getting new examples, but like you're not gonna wear the bikini to the I beach. I mean, it's, it's definitely <laughs> a good seasonal example. It is very seasonal uh, because you're you're worried about the judgment. You don't feel good. You feel insecure. Uh, that kind of stuff. Like if your goal is to never wear a bikini to the beach, like that's you, you go for it. You wear whatever you want, whatever makes you feel happy. But a lot of times people don't do that because of those insecurities. Um, so like the first step is, can you wear a bikini in your house? Like start there. Or can you wear a bikini under your clothes to the beach? And just start taking these steps like to the ultimate goal and so what they're called is like exposures i call them experiments in my book because i just think it's too like clinically to use the word exposure sure. uh, and the more you kind of do these things eventually you get to the point where you're like oh i'm doing it and it's actually not anywhere near as bad as i thought it was going to be but if you just go out one day and you wear a bikini to the beach like that might be a little too much too soon but all of these, yeah, steps, it's, it's like the yeah. January person going from zero to six times a week at the gym. Right, right. It's not sustainable. And also it's going to feel really weird. <laughs> but I think that, um, that and it is going to feel weird, like wearing a bikini around your house and like looking at yourself in the mirror there, you're going to have some uncomfortable feelings, but though, like that's how you change. And like, that's how you get more used to your body. Cause for a lot of us, we just completely stop looking at our bodies because it's just too much of a trigger. It's just like, you don't want to know what it really looks like, but once you can just say, this is what it looks like, that's okay. My body changed and it's going to keep changing forever. You know, having those conversations with yourself, I think that's like just such a big tool too, is just like, look at your body. <laughs> I think acknowledging the change is super important too, right? Because like how many women do you know that are 45 who are trying to look 25? Like yeah. maybe you don't look 25 because you understandably have aged over time. And I'm not even saying that in a judgmental way. I'm right. You're a 45 year old now who doesn't look like a 25 year old because you're not 25. 
like we should treat that in the same way that like I'm 27 and I no longer look 12 because I've aged but no one's like oh remember with Mark when he was 12 and you know he looked so young and his skin was so great like (laughs) I know you know people understandably go through changes in their life we get older we look different and at some point, you know, like we all know people who are, you know, in their 40s and 50s still trying to like look characteristics that are in their 20s. And I'm like, the mental toll of that must just well, be. Well, I mean, and, and the money. And then yeah. I think what it's like the bigger picture too of like what's really happening with that person because it's not a lot of times I think what we do is we we have something negative happening in our lives. You know, you're stressed out from kids, you're stressed, you hate your job, or like, you know, something's happening and, and it's easier to put all of your energy and all of your mental focus on trying to be skinnier or trying to look 25 than it is to sort of deal with the stresses that you, that you have going on. And I think that's what honestly happens for a lot of people. And then not to mention that, gosh, women are constantly told that they need to look 25 or 19 or whatever, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, like that, that's just uh, forever, you know, but I, I do think that a lot of dieting and like overexercising and all of that really is just kind of like a negative coping skill to whatever the other stresses, trauma in their lives, depression, you know, whatever it might be. And just talking about that and working with a therapist. So where can they find you? What is um, kind of your courses, your books? Let us know where we can find your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great chat today. Uh, covered so many great topics too. Yeah, I know. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at body positive underscore mom. And then I have an Etsy, uh, site where I sort of sell all my artsy creative type, uh, posters and, uh, cards and stuff. And my shop is body positive mom. Um, and then my website is bodypositivemom.com. Such a nice ring to it. I'm so happy it was available. <laughs> um, and my course will be coming out August 1st. Awesome. That's amazing. What's the course about? So the course is, like I said, it's going through all those cognitive behavioral therapy skills, how to help, um, you know, on sort of brainwash yourself from the way you think about food, the way you think about your body, and then just kind of talking about like intuitive eating, mindful eating, health at every size, all of those topics too, um, just to, you know, learn more. So, yeah, that's amazing. I really, I really appreciate having you on. You've been one of my favorite pages for a while. I really love your message. And again, like, you know, even though I'm not a mom, I'm still like, yeah, this is the best. Um, <laughs> I appreciate uh, especially it. Especially your post about like when you bashed Weight Watchers, which I've done many times in this podcast. Oh God, I'm sure I know. I will do again. Um, <laughs> I got heat on that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to them sending me a message, being like, "Hey, we don't like what me, you're saying." And I'm like, "Me too." I don't like your company. I, 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 re- I rehearse it in my head too. <laughs> I was like, I, "Yeah, exactly." You're like excited. Like, please contact me. Please contact me. Um, yes yeah absolutely well listen i really appreciate having you on the podcast and uh yeah thanks everybody for listening take care yep thanks thanks again for listening to an episode of marky mark and the fitness bunch i really do appreciate it um if you're a woman who is looking to get strong and feel confident and you want to focus on training that is not about appearance or weight loss or thinking you have to look a certain way um, i highly encourage you to use the link in the description of this episode to apply to the Badass Lifter program. That's what the program's about. It's not about being a certain weight. It's not about looking a certain way. It's about you know building your confidence from within on what your body is able to do as opposed to what it's supposed to look like. 
Link is in the description of the podcast episode. I just wanted to say thanks again for watching and have a great day.